Good morning, Abundant Life. Welcome to the last Sunday in April. Can you believe it? We're almost into the first part of May. Wow, how time has flown. And we miss seeing you and miss being together. And I've been praying God's blessing upon you, your home, your job, and your business for God's blessing to touch you in a powerful way in these days. We've been uh, really given days of incredible moments to make a difference for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you're taking advantage of them. You're spreading kindness and love, God's love to those that are around you wherever you are at. We pray God's blessing on you. Some have asked, when are we going to be back together again in person in church? We don't have the answer for that today, but we hope to in the very near future, and we will let you know. We just pray that you stay safe and you stay healthy, and you have another tremendous week in the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing we are looking forward to is our quarterly house party, which we have planned right now for July 26th. Put it on your calendars. Come on out. It's going to be an amazing night. On that Sunday night, we're going to do baby dedications and water baptisms together. Listen, I hope you are ready for some good news today because as we look in the Gospel of John, there is good news. God's Word is good news. And the good news is that you and I have been saved from spiritual death through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. And that's good news. We've been forgiven and our eternal home is in heaven. That's great news. But let me ask you this today. If the gospel is such great news, and it is, why don't more people embrace the gospel? Why do people persist in unbelief? We see this in a portion of John chapter 7 today. There comes some of the answers to this unbelief as we look in verses 1 and 2 and through the remainder of John 7 today as we open up God's word together in truth. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. We're going to look at three causes of unbelief. I know there's more than that, but let's look at three today. And it says, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee, and he would not go about in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. The feast of booths was a huge celebration that took place, a time that they are reminded from the Old Testament of God giving water from the rock, where Moses brings the people up out of Egypt, and they have no water, and they are in need of water. And God tells Moses, I want you to strike the rock. And when you strike the rock, it won't be just a trickle. It will be a river capable of being able to nourish the thirst of two million people and their livestock. People would come in droves to this feast. They would come, they would come and fill into the temple there, and it would be absolutely packed. And they would bring water from the pool of Siloam into the courtyard, and they would quote the prophet Isaiah, who said, anyone who is thirsty, let him come and drink. And they would shout, Give thanks to the Lord. I wonder if you could do that today. Give thanks to the Lord, amen, as a celebration of his goodness to us. 
It was a celebration that God provided water for them. Not only them personally, but for their livestock and their crops. But Jesus, we're going to find out on, on the last day of the feast, John chapter 7 and verse 37, Jesus stood up and cried, if anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. Now, if we look at this today, you're going to begin to understand Jesus is drawing out imagery that is so powerful, telling us something that is very significant. And there's an incredible offer of salvation, an incredible offer of living water. But in the midst of it, there is this unbelievable unbelief. So let's look at these three causes of unbelief inside of this chapter today. The first is the unbelief of familiarity. Yes, let me put it this way. It's possible to be so close to the forest that you can't see the trees. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's possible to get so comfortable with the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, hearing the gospel, watching the gospel, living with people that serve the Lord, that you forget about what the gospel is all about. And as the Spirit of God is drawing people to Christ, what happens is this. If a person keeps putting off that, that call to their life to, to give it to the Lord, like, you know, I will do it. I'm just going to do it later. One writer puts it this way. Delay dolls the sword of the Spirit. That if you continually put off conviction and, and you're no longer sensitive to conviction, what happens is you become hardened and you become calloused. I'm sure that all of us sometime or another in our life can say that we have done that. And it sets up the verses that are to come in 3, 4, and 5. It says, so his brothers said to him, his brothers, yeah, physically brothers, uh, biological brothers, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. And if you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. They've watched Jesus. They've seen him in action. They've seen him heal over and over again. Yeah, Jesus, he's a good guy. Like, you may think, well, hey, my friend goes to church, and they're a good person, or my wife even goes to an abundant life church, and, and she's a good person, and they've made a decision, and maybe you today need to make that decision, but it won't be long, and you may not feel like making that decision because you keep putting God off. Right here in this passage are people that are closest to Jesus. They don't, they don't believe him. They're saying to him, listen, Jesus, if you really want to be somebody and you think you are somebody, then go down to Judea. You understand, they're up in the hill country of Galilee. And they're saying, go down to Judea. See, you see in Judea is the religious center of the entire territory. You're like, hey, if you're doing miracles up here, you really want to be known and make yourself known. If you really think you're something, Jesus, then go down there to Judea. Have you ever noticed in, in your life that uh, unbelief results in this subtle antagonism? There's this subtle jab that, that comes out. And if you do these things, they're saying, then show yourself to the entire world. In verse 6, Jesus said to them, though my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. 
your time's always here, but my time has not yet come. It's pointing out something very interesting. And when a person is a child of God, the Bible says this in Psalm 37, the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in every detail of their life. I love that scripture verse. In other words, once you give your life to Christ, God has his purpose for your life, and God is leading you, and God is guiding you. Sometimes we could probably all say that leading is very clear. You know this is what God has for you, and you understand that. Sometimes you sense, you think, well, this is what God has for me, and it's going to take a step of faith to step out and do what he's called me to do. Other times, you may think, well, I really don't know what to do, but as you're walking with the Lord, and as you look back over your life, you know God was clearly leading you, and you didn't even realize it at the time. For the person who knows the Lord and is walking with the Lord, there is an order, and there is a purpose, there is a progression that the Lord is superintending in your life to bring about his purposes in your life. Isn't that wonderful to think about that today, that there's a progression and there's a purpose and God has been leading you and you can look back and then the times you didn't even think he was there, he was leading you every step of the way. See, apart from God, you, you never really know the purpose of your creation. You and I really can't walk in sync with our creator. We don't know him. But you've got to understand that God's got a time and a place and an appointment with destiny for your life. What a benefit it is to walk with Jesus every single day in the highs and the lows. But you've got to understand that you are on divine assignment and God has a plan for you. And then he continues in verses 7 through 9. It says, the world cannot hate you, Jesus said, but it hates me because I testify about that it, its works are evil. Wow. You go up to the feast. He says, I'm not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And after saying this, he remained, he chose to remain in Galilee. So there's the unbelief that's born of familiarity that happens in our lives many times. Then there's the unbelief born out of fear. Verse 10, it says, but after his brothers had gone up to the feast... Then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast, saying, where is he? We, we can't find him. And there was much muttering about him among the people. And while some said, he's a good man, others said, no, he's leading these people all astray. And yet for the fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. It says, for the fear of the Jews. They are afraid if they identify with Christ, it might cost them some friendships or kicked out of the synagogue or people are going to begin to make fun of them because they identify with Jesus Christ. There's something I want you to understand about fearing man's opinion and what other people may think of you if you follow Christ. That might be you today. I don't want you, though, to miss the joy of knowing Christ and the benefit of salvation that God has for you because of fear. Would you really want to miss out on all that God has for you today because there is fear operating in your life more than faith? 
Don't let fear of what other people say or do or think. It, it reminds me of the time when I was uh, in high school, and I had transferred in my high school years from a Christian school into a public high school, and it was in my 10th grade year, and I tried to get to know people, and I, many of them had their own friends and, and their own networks and their own people they hung out with, and I was just trying to make my way in this huge high school in the Midwest, and I remember I got to know a few people, and they weren't who I thought they uh, really were on the inside, and I th- they said, hey, you know what? You need to just come out and party with us. You need to come out and enjoy life, man, because, you know, you don't have fun uh, very much. They didn't know much about me at all, but you know, I remember a few of them were like, hey, man, you got to come out to one of the parties. We need to get you drunk. And I said, man, I've never been drunk before. I really don't care for that. And they said, no, you really need to do this. I said, no, I'm fine. And, and for my life, it wasn't a fear that I had of saying, oh, wow, what are they going to think of me? But I knew that I had my convictions in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe some of you today, there may be some of you that are listening to me that Maybe you're being tempted to do something you shouldn't do. And listen, you shouldn't have fear of man. So many people have fear of man and men that are in their lives and women that are in their lives. But you do not have to be fearful today of what they think. Because listen, we wouldn't be as concerned about what people think of us if we really knew how little they did. Hope that sinks in today. Verse 14, it's about the middle of the feast. Jesus went up in the temple and began teaching. And I'm going to move it on down to verse 24 where it says Jesus is teaching. He's instructing and he's warning them. It says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right attitude. See, when people get caught up in unbelief, they get caught up in insignificant things. Have you ever noticed that in life? When people get caught up in unbelief, they get caught up in insignificant things that really don't matter. And he goes on to say that some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said in verse 25, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly and they say nothing to him. Can, Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ, but we know where this man comes from? And, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? He's saying, listen, I've come from heaven, and I've come from God with with steps that have been ordered from my Father. He's saying, you're caught up in a trial. You may be caught up in a circumstance. And I want just to speak to you today that you may be caught up in a trial. You may be caught up in a circumstance. We're caught up in a pandemic, but God is not caught off guard. He will help us through these things. Stop worrying about what other people think of Jesus. Stop worrying, you know, but what do you think about him today? What do you think about Jesus What comes to mind? Well, in this passage, they thought he's a demon. 
His own brothers thought he was crazy. They, they, they think, well, where does he come from? And, and how many miracles has he done? All the people that have watched him and been with him. And when people are operating in belief, unbelief, you've got to understand they don't see clearly. Unbelief really blinds us and to, to the truth of God's word. And the unbelief of fear will keep people from seeing things as they really are. So that's why the Bible says that Satan has blinded the eyes of those who are filled with unbelief. Then there's a third kind of unbelief. It is the unbelief of fake spirituality. Oh, yeah, we hear about fake every single day, don't we? There's the fake news. There's fake this. There's fake that. And, and it doesn't take us long in our world to see a lot of fake news that's going on. You know, decades ago... It used to be a common morality and it just maybe a common knowledge of Christianity. And, and, and the issue there was a fake religiosity where people were doing and going through the religious motions without having the relationship with Jesus Christ. And what they were doing is they were holding to a form of godliness that didn't have any power, the Bible says. They were in a church, but they weren't necessarily converted to the truth of Jesus. Today, there's a different generation, and it's a post-Christian generation that we live in where what people will do is not relate to any brand of religion, but identify instead with a concept of spirituality that says, I've got it all together, and that's hip, and I'm cool, and that's all that matters, and I'm not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. And what happens is, is they are cultivating spirituality, which is really idolatry because they're making up a God of their own imagination and oftentimes that God is self and that is a dead-end road all the time. But the fact of the matter is unbelief grows in the environment of fake spirituality. They're not connected to the true source of life and the salvation that they can have in Jesus Christ. Verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. You will seek me, and you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. They want one thing to happen to Jesus. They want him dead. That's what they're saying. In verse 37, it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, if anyone thirsts. Let him come to me and let him drink. That is the echoes of Isaiah 55. And I encourage you today, would you, would you read that chapter and be reminded of what Jesus is speaking from? It's God's invitation. Come to me. Come all who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And how could we ever buy our salvation. There's nothing that you and I could ever give that could ever buy our salvation. All we have to do is come today, come to him, to the person who feels like a loser today or, or the person that feels like their life has been full of disappointment and they're, they're a disappointment and to the person that feels like the need of cleaning themselves up before they come. God says, no, there's nothing 
that you could ever bring. There's nothing you could ever do or buy. You just need to come. And the, and the writer of Scripture writes, you'll never find peace. You'll never find joy. You'll never find satisfaction that you are looking for until you come to the Lord. What is it that we're offered in Isaiah chapter 55? There's three things. He says, I'll give you water. I'll give you milk. And I will give you wine. There's three things. Water, oh, we realize water is so vital. It refreshes us. It cleanses us. If we bathe in that water, is water brings and sustains life. And then there's milk. You know, a baby needs more than water. It needs milk to give it strength. So it gives strength. And then wine, he says, I'll give you wine, which represents a life that is merry and a life that is full of joy, it, the wine of the, of the Spirit. This is the abundant life. This is the eternal life that Jesus is talking about. All of this is echoing and going on, and they're looking for the Messiah. And in Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, it says, out of the temple will flow waters to the nations, and it is a type of Christ. Paul says, in the New Testament, that they drank water from the rock, and that water is Jesus Christ. The water came forward in the Old Testament, and it was struck at the rock, and Jesus was struck, and he was bruised, and he was crushed for our iniquities, and it resulted in us knowing eternal life. All of Scripture points to this amazing salvation in Jesus. The word of the Lord is real. The invitation is real. Come, come, he says. If, if anyone thirsts, let him come and let him drink of me. And verse 38 says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See, when, when Jesus comes and he takes up residence inside of us. Our dirty, sinful self is now made clean. And where God had a temple for his people in the Old Testament, suddenly he has a person for his temple in the New Testament. And you and I are the temple of the living God. And he dwells in us at salvation. And that's when joy, and that's when nourishment, and that's when strength comes. And the leaders in John chapter 7 will have none of it. In verse 44, some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid their hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees and said to them, Why did you not bring him? And the officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? And you see the fake spirituality kept people from responding to the gospel. But there is a ray of hope as they are arguing. And it comes in verse 48. It says, have any of the authorities or Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Then Nicodemus, who was one of them before, asked in verse 51, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet 
arises from Galilee, which wasn't true. There were prophets from Galilee. But here's Nicodemus, and I want you to see something as we draw this down. Remember Nicodemus, John chapter 3, we spoke on a number of months back. He comes to Jesus at night. And in the Gospel of John, night is always used as a metaphor of spiritual darkness. Nicodemus is the top rabbi in the land. He is the chief justice of the Jewish Supreme Court. This is a man who is morally respected, but it is spiritually dark. Nothing you and I do morally will make us acceptable before God. He comes to Jesus and says, we know from God, and here's what we know, that Jesus Christ has come. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not your moral life that gets you to heaven. It, it's, it's not hanging out of the temple. It's not memorizing the Old Testament but it requires a heart transformation and you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, you're telling me to start all over again, Jesus? You're telling me? What? I've got to go back to my mother's womb and he knows that's not the case, but you have to be born again. And then comes those great words of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Nicodemus leaves the shadow of spiritual darkness and now finds himself standing up for Jesus and identifying with Jesus as well. Where are you today on your spiritual journey? Can you hear the Savior saying, come, 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 Whoever is thirsty, no matter what you're going through today, come to me and I will fill you. I will fill you full. I will fill your life to overflowing. And I will minister and I will give you strength and I will give you nourishment and I will give you joy. I don't know about you, but our world needs the joy of the Lord right now. It needs the joy of the Lord that can give us strength for the days ahead. And in this season, that's who Jesus promised that he is to us. Aren't you thankful for that truth today? Will you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you that you did send Jesus, your only begotten son, that as we trust in him, we will have eternal life. And that you forgive us of our sins and our eternal home is heaven. Father, I thank you for the many lives that have come to you during this time and this pandemic and this social distancing that we know your presence is right there in the very room that families are in today in their living room, in their dining room, in their kitchen, in their bedroom today, maybe in their car, maybe at their workplace. Lord, I pray that you would touch them and fill them today with your presence. Give them your strength. Lord, pour out upon them 
and refresh them. Give them strength and give them joy today. As you're just praying right now, as we're praying together as a church, I just really felt stirred today that you would pick one person out that you know. Maybe it's a friend at school. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a, a neighbor. Would you just say their name, the person that is full of unbelief today, that is far away from the Lord? Would you just take this moment and would you just ask the Lord to send his love and send his strength to them today to cause them to see the truth of Jesus and not be blinded by their unbelief. Lord, we just call their names out right now. We say their name before you, Lord. Believing, God, that you are ministering and that you're going to use the love you've given to us to minister to them. And that, Father God, that they would sense your love and that you would soften their heart and heart and that they would open their life to you, Lord. Father, I thank you for this and that many will come to Jesus because of the faith, Lord, that is going forward in your powerful and your mighty name. We believe it and we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. We pray God's blessing on you. And next week as we come together on an incredible story of God's grace and mercy. Have a blessed week in the Lord Jesus Christ.